There is a place where you can come and hide. There is a place where you can find rest and peace for your soul. There is a place where only you and I can find intimacy. There is a place I am calling you. The Lord would say, I am calling you to a secret place, a place where you can go and find me, a place where your soul, where your heart, where your mind can be refreshed, a place where your spirit can connect with my spirit. Yea, my spirit searches the deep things as deep calls unto deep. I am calling to you today and I am beckoning you to come into the secret place and find my heart, know my heart. Yea, even today I would tell you that I have fashioned you, I have created you, I have made you into my very image and I long to be with you says your God. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I am calling you into the secret place. Listen, listen, listen carefully as I beckon you into a deeper place in me, says the Lord. Amen. We at Bethlehem Assembly of God believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, that the gifts are still in operation. And we believe that God is allowed to interrupt what we are doing. As the Bible says, we interrupt your pre-scheduled whatever to tell you something important. God, he needs to talk to us. He's an experiential God. He's not just a God of head knowledge. He's a God of not only the heart as well, but of the spirit and the soul. Amen? So I pray that the word would touch your heart. Uh, <clears throat> how many of you would say that you would love to see some of your neighbors and friends and those that you work with, those that you rub shoulders with, that they would know Jesus like you know Jesus? Let me see your hand. How many of you would say there is great worth in one soul going into the kingdom? And I think... A lot of times, we don't share our faith, we don't open up to people, we don't invite them into our Christian world, because we're afraid. We, we're afraid of rejection, we're afraid of not knowing what to say, we're afraid of people rebutting us, and, and um, you know, I think the reason for that is because we've made it very intellectual instead of relational. But God is a God of relationship, amen? And the reason why Peter came into the kingdom was because his brother Andrew said, come and Come and hear this man. And um, so this is an incredible book. It's called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And I want to encourage everybody in the church, even if you can't make the class on Wednesday, I'm challenging you to make an investment. Now, some of you, you'll go to Starbucks and you'll spend enough money on Starbucks, the same amount of money on Starbucks as you buy this book right here. And so I would really encourage you, how much is one life worth? Everything. Amen. And I want to encourage you. This is an incredible book on helping you to understand how to share your faith in a very relational way. It's not academic, but it's really about uh, being comfortable in who you are 
knowing what God has given you to be able to open up your heart to show people uh, Christ. And so I want you to go get this book today. I know some of you are going to say, no, I don't have the money, but that's not true. You have the money. You have the money to go out after church and eat. You have the money to do the thing. You have money for this book, all right? So please have. All right. So last week, I... I took the Sunday off. Usually when I take Sundays off, it's not because I'm really off, but I'm traveling somewhere doing ministry or even vacationing. But last week, I just felt like I really wanted to be with the Lord. And so 5.30 in the morning, I got up early in the morning, went to the beach, headed to the beach, and had a sunrise service, me and the Lord and my guitar. I sat on the lifeguard chair because the lifeguard wasn't there, and I pretended like I was a lifeguard. Even took my shirt off, and I felt like I looked like one. I didn't see the, I didn't see the mirror, so it looked, I felt good, you know. <laughs> Uh, but man, oh man, I had a great time with the Lord on Sunday morning, uh, just worshiping the Lord in my favorite place in all the world, and that is the beach. And uh, we've been talking about uh, Psalms 20, uh, 23 and, and how it relates to our life and the rich deepness of Psalms 23. And we've begun a, a series and called Hello Summer, working through Psalms 23. And so I want you all to stand to your feet one more time. And we are going to quote Psalms 23. We're going to read it together. And I want you to make a commitment that you're going to memorize Psalm 23. Listen, I promise you, if you memorize it, it'll change your life. And so by the end of the summer, I want you to memorize it. We gave you cards. If you don't have one, write it down on a three-by-five card. Put it in your pocket somewhere. Pull it out often and memorize it. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He does what? He does what? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My what? My what? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Powerful psalm. Hallelujah. Father, I pray today that you would touch us, Lord. God, that you would breathe on us a fresh wind, Father. Revive our soul, Lord God. Lord, help us to stand up and know, Lord God, that you're doing a new work in us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said... You may be seated. And so we've been looking at Psalm 23, and a couple of weeks ago, we recognized that David, he's at his place. He's probably on a, on a hill somewhere, grassy pasture land, like I would be on the beach, my place, my favorite place. He was at his favorite place. When did he write this? We don't know. I think he was the king of Israel at that time. He had some experience behind him. He understood the faithfulness of God. He understood the healing uh, grace of God in his life. And, and David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's really saying is, I'm a sheep, and we're all sheep. Turn to your name and say, bah. They were all sheep. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we, we learned the, the characteristics of sheep. And one of the characteristics of sheep was that they're just dumb. Sheep are dumb. Not only are they dumb, but they're stubborn. They are stubborn. Sometimes they can be rebellious. They're copycats. 
Not only that, but they need the shepherd to do everything for them in their life. They are absolutely, totally dependent on the shepherd. And they're, and they're prone to wander. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Because we all tend to wander away from the good shepherd. But David's looking back at his life and David says in a quiet place, in a place of stillness, David says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He's saying, as long as Jesus is my good shepherd, according to John chapter 10, he's the good shepherd. As long as he's my good shepherd, I won't have any need in my life. Why? Because Jesus is all that I need. And if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. Come on, somebody. I said, if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. Come on, say, he's all I need. Jesus is all we need. And so David declares, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And last week, as he always does, Pastor Henry hit it out of the park, and he talked about the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, he leads me to a good place in my life. God wants to lead you to a good place in your life. Get ready, because God is about to do something special in your life today. I believe it with all my heart. As I was praying this morning and walking and praying, I believe the Holy Spirit said that God is going to do something new in somebody's life today. That God is going to do something special. That there's a new season that's coming in your life. That God is going to do a new thing in your spirit, a new thing in your heart, a new thing with vision in your life. God is about to do something special in your heart and in your life. And so he leads us to a good place. And you're at a good place right now because God wants to say something to you. But not only that, but he, he leads me beside still waters. He's the God of peace. Jesus is my Jehovah Shalom. He is my God, the God of peace. He brings peace in our life. Now David goes on and he says, the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, that's really important. Why did David say that? Because David understood that in all of our lives, we, like sheep, we go astray. And there's one thing that and there's no doubt about it, that we could do some really dumb things in our life. How many of you have ever done a dumb thing in your life? Let me see. And yes, thank you for being honest today. And we can tend to be irrational. How many of you have done some irrational things in your life? And we can tend to be a little stubborn in our life. Anybody stubborn in this room? Come on. It's not just an Italian thing. Gabadosta, you know what I mean? And we can fall into some traps and get ourselves caught in the barbed wire offenses of life and get all cut up and wounded. How many of you have gotten wounded in life? Come on, let me see here. And you've got, you've got some scars Come on, let me see. Raise your hands if you've got some scars in your life. The rest of you, you need some counseling. You're in denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. And so often, like sheep, we're prone to wander off into very dangerous and many times dry and lifeless places. And so David says, I need a shepherd who loves me enough to leave the 99 and come find me. 
I need a good shepherd who loves me enough to leave the 99 and find me and put me on his shoulders and bring me to Calvary to the foot of the cross and bring life back into me again. I need a good shepherd to breathe life back into my spirit, life back into my soul. I need a shepherd to restore my soul. That's exactly what Jesus did when he came and he rescued us. He found us. We didn't choose him. He chose us and he found us when we were in a bad place. How many of you know that Jesus is good because he found you in a, in a bad place? He found you in a dry place, in a, in a very dangerous place in your life. There was no food. There was no water. There was no oxygen. There was nothing going on in your life that was good. But Jesus came because he's the good shepherd. And he put you on his shoulder. And he brought you to the foot of the cross. And he redeemed you. He brought your life back so that you could have eternal life. So that he can breathe the breath of life back inside of you again. I'm, I'm reminded of First Peter. Chapter 2, Peter says, He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Now that word in the Greek is sozo. In the Hebrew, it's rafa. And the word sozo means to be repaired. It means to be restored. It means to be revived. It means to breathe life back into someone. And so that word sozo, when Peter said we were healed, he was saying by the wounds of Christ, Jesus was wounded. Remember what the Bible says. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter. He didn't open his mouth. And he was crucified on the cross like the Lamb of God that he was. And the Bible says by his stripes we were sozoed. We were healed spiritually. We bring, we, we, he brings healing physically and emotionally and relationally in our life. He's doing a work in our life. He's doing a work of restoration. Everybody say restoration. That's exactly what Jesus did. He came and found us. He put, him, he put us on his shoulders and he's restoring us. He's restoring us every day of our life. You see, there's so much more that has to happen in our life. The Lord has to be our good shepherd, not just once, but every single day of our life. The Lord has to be our good shepherd. He has to be our good shepherd every moment, every hour of our life. Why? Because let me tell you something. When we came to Christ, God started the work in our life, but he's not done yet. Because all of us in this room are in the process of healing in our life. It didn't all happen all at once. Every one of us in this room. We need to continue to allow the good shepherd to bring healing in our life. We're in a process. I don't know about you, but God has to do a lot of work on my life. I know that some people believe that pastors, they kind of arrive. You know, when they preach, they preach because they made it. They, they already understand everything. They already have experienced victory in their life. And man, they've got it all together. Well, let me let you into something right now. I don't have it all together. I'm a mess at times and I need the master, the good shepherd to put me back together. I get depressed sometimes. There are sometimes I get anxious. I get weary. I get tired. There are times when I get envious. There are times when I want things that I shouldn't have. And I need the good shepherd to continue to do a work in my life. Why? Because God has to continue to do that work. Why? Because we've got layers of healing. 
layers of healing that God wants to do in our life, layers of restoration, layers of restoring and repairing our life. Why? Because when we come to Christ, God simply begins the process. We all need to keep on being healed because we all have deep wounds in our life. I mean, if we would really admit it, we all have deep wounds in our life. Some of us were wounded as children. Some of us were wounded as adults. But we all have these things that, that God is still wanting to work out in our life. And some of us, we've got scabs over our wounds. And because we haven't taken care of it the right way, there's a scab. And God's got to rip the scab off. Ooh, that hurts when God rips the scab off. We all need more of the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work in our life. Because secondly, like wandering sheep, our hearts are prone to wander. And our souls get wounded again and again because of our sinful ways. Because we, we're like sheep. And we tend to go away from the good things of the Lord. And the, when, the, when the Lord whispers to us, when the Holy Spirit says, don't say that, don't do that, don't go there. But like sheep that wander, we, we wander off from the good pen. We wander off from the good place where God has us in our life because we want something else and we find that we're out there and we get stuck in the fence and we get, you know, our skin gets ripped up and the good shepherd has to come and pour the oil. He's got to pour the ointment back inside of us and heal our hearts that are wounded even as Christians we mess up at times and we get ourselves into difficult situations and we need the good shepherd who is always willing to find us and bring healing and restore our soul. And thirdly, the truth of the matter is, is we need a good shepherd because life has all kinds of seasons. There's all kinds of seasons in life. There are, there are seasons of trials in our life and seasons of heartache in our life and dark valleys where God wants to bring restoration into our life. We lose somebody that we love. Man, that's a wound in our life. We lose a husband or wife. Maybe we lose it through divorce or maybe we lose it through death, but it's a wound in our life. And then we have to deal with the losses of life. And all of us in this room have losses of life. You know, you're getting a little older. You know, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not 30 anymore. I'm not 40 anymore. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm not. And there are times when I actually go through grieving in my life because I think to myself, man, when I was 15 years old, I could do that. When I was 25, I could do that. But now that I'm 54 years old, I can't do that anymore. And there are certain things that life just kind of takes away from you. And as a result of that, you need the good shepherd to come and restore and revive, breathe back into you again, breathe back a new season in your life. Maybe you can't do the things that you could do when you're 15, but you could do other things in your life because God's got a new season in your life. In the first service, I went to an elderly lady who just lost her husband, and I laid my hands on her, and I said, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Today, God is doing a new thing in your life, and even though you're older, even though you're a senior, God is about to do some miraculous things in your life and through your life friend as long as you're breathing God wants to breathe the breath of life into you and God's got a new season for you this afternoon come on somebody God has a new season for your life come on say with me God has a new season for my life come on say it like you mean it turn to your neighbor right now and say God has a good season for you hallelujah
every season God wants to do something. So when your soul grows sorrowful, he wants to revive it. When it's sinful, he wants to sanctify it. And when it's weak, he wants to strengthen it. Let me say that again. When your soul grows sorrowful, God wants to revive it. When your soul grows sinful, he wants to sanctify it. And when it becomes weak, he wants to strengthen it. So what David actually means when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he restores my soul. He was actually saying, God, he revives my life again. So we've got to ask the question then is, what is the soul? And how does God revive the soul? Do we even really have a soul? I know that atheists, I know some scientists would say that, that human beings don't have a soul. But that's not what the word says. In fact, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Matthew 16, verse 26. And I want you to see what Jesus says about the soul. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So Jesus is talking about the soul. In other words, Jesus said, you can have everything in this world. You can have money. You can have fame. You can have wealth. You can have physical health. You can have power. You can have riches. You can have everything in this world that it has to offer you. But if you lose your soul, you have nothing. In other words, there is something more valuable than money. There is something more valuable than anything that this world can offer, and that's your soul. And if you lose your soul, you lose everything. And Jesus then asks another question. So then, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And the answer is people are often and always giving something up for their soul. They're always trading something up for their soul. They're always making a deal with the devil and giving up their soul. They're forfeiting their soul. I mean, let me ask you a question. How many more pop stars? How many more rock stars? How many more movie stars? How many more rich people have to blow their brains out or hang themselves or, uh, or, or overdose and die? How many of them have to commit suicide until we learn the lesson that you can run after all those things in your life? As God said, don't have any idols in your life. Why? Because an idol is anything that replaces God. And an idol is empty. It leaves you empty. It leaves you dry. It poisons your soul. And you've always got to give something up so that you can go up in life, in this life, you've got to give up your soul to get what you want. And that's why Jesus says, what will a man exchange for his soul? How many more of these people have to die before we recognize that doesn't bring happiness? I mean, if you can look at their eyes, if you can look into the eyes of some of these pop stars, some of these rock stars, they fly from one city to the next city to the next city, and they shoot up and they smoke up because they've got to get up and they've got to get on that stage, but they're hollow. They're empty on the inside. Why? Because every time they go up, they've got to sell out. They've got to sell their soul. They've got to forfeit their soul for something else. So what is the soul? That's the question we've, we've got to understand then because it's a very important thing to understand what the soul is. See, most people think that when Jesus was saying, what shall a man profit if he gains the whole world but loses his soul, that, that what Jesus was actually saying was is that you can gain the whole world and go to hell. And that's true. 
But that's not what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about something much deeper than just a destination. Because the soul is not a destination, it's a condition. It's not a destination, it's the condition of your life. The condition of the soul is what's really important here. And so the soul isn't a mystical floating ghost throughout the air. You know, I used to think as a kid the soul was just the ghost. You see, we've been created in the image of God. Body, soul, and spirit. We're a triune being. And so we have a spirit. And that spirit is created in the image of God. God is spirit, and those that worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. And when you die, your spirit leaves your body. But we also have a soul. And the Old Testament really doesn't make a, a real big difference between the two, but there is a big difference. Your spirit is that which lives on throughout eternity. Your soul is the real you. Your soul is what feels. Your soul is what feels love. Your soul is what feels joy. Your soul is what feels peace. Your soul is the very life that God breathed into you, into every human being that makes them created in the very image of God. Listen to me. When David declared, the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul, he was saying God is the restorer of my very life. He's the restorer of the real me. God is the restorer of the very essence of my being. God is the restorer of my soul. And my life is what it should be when God restores it back to its regular or original intent. You see, the word for soul in the Hebrew is nephesh. And where do we get that word from? Nephesh. Well, we find that word in Genesis where the Bible says, in the beginning, God created male and female out of the dust of the ground. And then the Bible says, he breathed into them the nephesh of God. And they became, listen to me, a living soul. So God, he takes the dust of the ground and he fashions mankind. But until he breathes in them the breath of life, they're still dead. There's no life inside of them. But then he breathes into them their soul. And the Bible says they become a living soul. So what is the soul of man? Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So what is the soul? The soul is your inner self created in the very image of God. The soul is your very life. It's what makes you love. It's what makes you feel deeply it's what connects to God. My friend, the soul is what makes you. And because of sin, because of temptation, because of materialism, because for a thirst for more and more, even because of selfishness or bitterness or strife or unforgiveness or pride, people lose their soul every day. It's the real you. It's the you that's been created in the image of God. And the soul must be connected to God. And when the soul is not connected to God, it looks for something else to feed off of. The soul must be nourished by God. And when the soul is not nourished by God, it looks for something else to feed off of. The soul must be healed by God. And you see, so many of us, we lose our soul every day. How do we lose our soul? We run after things 
that leave us empty and dry. Or maybe we just get so busy. We're so busy because we want that bigger house. We want that nicer car. We want that nicer life. And we don't recognize that that's all outer stuff, as Jesus said. Don't store up your treasures where, on earth where those things are going to rust away. They're just going to, the thieves are going to come and steal it. He said, but store your treasures in heaven. And so there is, a, there is a place for all of us. There's this secret place for all of us where we connect with God, where we connect our soul with God, where we let the good shepherd feed our soul, nourish our soul, heal our soul, restore our soul so that we can live the life that God called us to live. You see, Jesus talks about the sower who sows seed on the ground. He talks about the farmer who has seed, and he throws that seed on the ground. And we know what the seed is. The seed is the nourishment of God's word. And when that seed falls into the ground, it produces a great crop in which we, a harvest that we can eat from. He said, but there are those people who their hearts are hardened or the soul of a man is so hardened that the word can't go into the soul. Or maybe that the, the soul of a man is so shallow that it goes just in a little bit. But when, when temptation comes or trials come or persecution comes, they fade away. Or maybe the soul is so filled and cluttered with anxiety, the fears of life. The Bible says that the seed is sown into the ground and the thorns and the thistles. They choke out the very life of the person's soul. The very life of who that person is. And there are people that are walking around. They're robots. They're empty souls. And they don't have real life. And they're trying to fill that life with alcohol or drugs or whatever. Why? Because they're an empty soul. They're a wounded soul. They're a soul searching for water. They're a soul searching for nutrients. And they can't ever find it. Why? Because when the soul is detached from God, it can't find real life. That's why Jesus said, I have come to give you life. And that life more abundantly remembered. He's saying that in John chapter 10. He says the thief comes to rob, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob your soul. He wants to rob yourself. He wants to rob your you. He wants to rob your vision. He wants to rob everything that God has put inside of you. He wants to steal your soul. He wants to kill your soul. But the Bible says Jesus has come to give us life and that life more abundantly. And you know what abundant life is? It's a healthy soul. You can have all the money in the world. But when your soul is sick, everything in life is sick. When your soul is sick, your emotions are sick. When your soul is sick, your relationships are sick. When your soul is sick, you get sick physically. When your soul is sick, your spirit is sick. And the truth is, David often forfeited his soul. He did it when he didn't listen to the Holy Spirit telling him, don't sin with that woman. He did it when he lied to the prophet. He did it when he held on to his sin. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was so heavy upon David. David said, I'm so depressed I can't even get out of bed. That's what sin will do. It'll make you so depressed that you can't get out of bed. But David also learned that God, his father, was the good shepherd and God longed to restore his soul. And every one of, of you in this place this afternoon, wherever you are, maybe you're watching via live stream today, maybe in the balcony 
or you're in the cafe, whatever you've done, however you feel right now, you have a soul. And it's the real you. And deep on the inside, where you really live, you will need to experience peace and joy and purpose and destiny. And you will, allow, you will have to allow the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, to work from the inside of your soul first, then touching every area of your life. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He wasn't talking about your physical eye. When Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the soul, he was actually saying your soul is the lamp of your whole being. And he said, and if your soul is sick, everything is sick. If your soul is dark, everything is dark. And he said, and how dark is that darkness? It is really dark. And my friend, our souls need to be restored. Our soul longs, your soul longs to be connected to God. Your soul longs, it must be connected to the one who gives us life. It's the real you. It needs to be restored. It needs to be rafad. It needs to be sozoed. It needs to be revived and repaired and renewed. The soul is the center of your being. That's why Proverbs 4 tells us out of the soul flows all the issues of life. That's why we must protect it and guard it and feed it and nourish it and enrich it. Because if we don't, our bodies and our sinful nature will try to find water somewhere else from polluted waters that will poison our soul and make us sick. So, so we know what the soul is. It's the real you on the inside. But how does God restore our soul? David said, the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul. It's interesting to note that the word restore in the Hebrew literally means, listen, to cause life to return again. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he causes my life to return again. The Lord is my shepherd. The word means to replenish. The Lord is my shepherd, and he replenishes my life again. He returns it back to its original state. He restores my soul, which means God keeps me going and gives me enjoyment. He puts it back into my life again. He breathes the breath of new life back inside of me again. He breathes the breath of refreshing back into my life again. He breathes revival back into my soul again remember David is saying I am the sheep and the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul and in order to really understand what David is saying we've actually got to look at Psalms 43 why because in Psalms 43 David starts out he says as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs for thee and he cries out to the Lord and he said, Lord, my soul is empty and dry and I'm depressed. Maybe it was after he committed sin and he held on to that sin and the hand of the Lord was so heavy upon him that David was so depressed he couldn't get himself out of bread. But he cries out to the Lord and he cries out to his own soul. And he says in Psalms 43, he says, why so downcast, O my soul? 
Why is my soul in turmoil? He said, put your hope in God. Then and only then will I praise the Lord again and God will revive my spirit. He says, I remember when I went to the congregation of the Lord with the people of God and I was the first one to worship the Lord and sing and praise the Lord. But now I'm so depressed, I can't even raise my hand. I can't even worship the Lord. Have you ever gotten to the place where you've dragged yourself to church but you didn't want to be in church and you didn't want to worship the Lord and inside, even though you were smiling on the outside, on the inside, you were dying on the inside. Your soul needed refreshing. Your soul needed Jesus to come and pick you back up again and breathe life back into your spirit. Hallelujah. But you see that word cast down, that phrase cast down, where does it come from? It's actually a sheep word. It's a sheep phrase. It's a shepherd phrase. And David knew exactly what he was saying when he said, why so downcast, oh my soul? That word downcast actually, in the context, means that there was a sheep that wandered from the fold. And when the sheep wandered from the fold, he wandered away from the shepherd and he got so far away from the shepherd that, that he, he, he was not in the, in, 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 in the eyesight of the shepherd. And so the sheep, he, he wanders because he thinks he could find food somewhere else. And so he wanders off. The sheep wanders off. Dumb sheep. They tend to wander. And so the sheep, he finds a little pasture land, and he starts eating, and he eats, and he eats, and he doesn't stop eating. Why? Because he just keeps on consuming and consuming. And now, now he's so tired, he's got lays down, and he keeps on eating. And then, and then the, the, the sheep, now he realizes, well, I got to get back to the fold. I don't know where my shepherd is. And so the sheep tries to get himself up. And so he tries to get him, but he's so full and he's so tired. He tries to get himself up and he falls on his back. And now the sheep can't get up. They can't. They've fallen and they don't have one of those things to call somebody. I've fallen and I can't get up. And now the sheep starts to panic. And the sheep starts to panic because he knows he's far from the shepherd. And he knows that he's going to die. But just in a few hours he's going to die. So he starts... And but he can't get himself, he can't get himself up. And listen, in just a few short hours, if the shepherd doesn't come and pick up that sheep and heal that sheep, that sheep will die. In just a couple of short hours. You see, what happens is he starts to lose circulation in his lower extremities. Then all of a sudden, the circulation is cut off and the sheep dies. But the shepherd, he's so good. He's so wonderful that the shepherd leaves the 99. And he searches around. He counts in the fold and he sees, he's, oh, there's Franklin's there and Maricel is there and and Cindy's there, and Bob's there, but where's Stevie? Stevie, where's Stevie? Oh, Stevie's always wandering off. And so the good shepherd goes, and he finds Stevie. And Stevie's flat on his back, and he's about to die. But the good shepherd takes his sheep in his hands, and he begins to massage the sheep's legs. And he begins to massage them, and he begins to create new circulation 
in the sheep's legs, and he nurses the sheep back to health. He breeds them. He restores them back to life. And then he takes the sheep and puts the sheep back on its fore, and the sheep is now strong again. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. The shepherd picks him up and puts him on his back and takes him home and rejoices. And sometimes the truth of the matter is, is we don't even want to admit it, but, but we as Christians, we look good on the outside, but on the inside, circulation has been cut off. Our circulation with God our circulatory system spiritually has been cut off and we're dying on the inside. Our joy is dying. Our peace is dying. Our love is dying. Sometimes we don't even want to admit it, but we're cast down. That's what the word means, cast down, flat on our back, and we're dying spiritually. That's why the Bible tells us that God is a God who lives in high places and he revives those people who are humble at heart. You see, we always talk about revival, revival, revival. You know what revival means? Revival means that God comes and he picks us up and he breathes. Sometimes we're almost dead and he has to give us mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. He has to resuscitate us back to life again. Revival means bringing it back to its original state. That which is almost dead, he brings it back to life again. And I'm here to tell you today, God is so good to you that he wants to bring you back to life again. He wants to bring, breathe life back into your vision, life back into your joy, life back into your peace, life back into your purpose, life back into your spiritual being. Sometimes we don't even admit it, but we're cast down, we're, back on, we're flat on our back, and slowly we're dying on the inside. Our circulation isn't very good. And our communication with the shepherd is starting to get cut off. What are some of the signs of a soul that is in turmoil? It's easily angered. It's agitated. It can't sleep. It's isolated. There's loss of joy. There's depression and loss of vision. It's called soul damage. And the truth is every one of us have some soul damage in our life. But today, the good shepherd wants to come and breathe back into us. David also knew that God restores. He picks us up right where we are. And he breathes life back into our soul. And he revives our spirit again. And he renews our emotion. And he restores our joy. And he gives us a new song in our heart. He causes my life to return. And maybe this afternoon, deep down on the inside, as the worship team comes... You know that you need to be restored. You need God to replenish your soul. You need to return to the joy of your salvation. You need new life to spring up again in, in your weary heart. And there's good news. The Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. He leads you to a new place. He leads you to good waters and he will restore and replenish your soul. He'll revive your spirit. Jesus said, not only have I come to give you life, but he also said to all of us in this room, come to me if you're weary and you're tired and you're carrying heavy burdens in your life, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you 
And let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. And you will find rest. Listen to me. You will find rest. Come walk with me for a few minutes along the shoreline of God's spirit, God's presence in our life. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and then you will find rest for your weary souls. You'll find restoration for your soul that needs revival. But it's going to require something this afternoon. For some of us, listen to me, it will require surrendering. Surrendering your life to God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to God. Maybe for some of you, it, it, it'll require being still. Stop running and running and running and running and running and running and running. I want to tell you something. I'm a very busy person. I'm always working. But there's one thing that's non-negotiable with me. That before I start working, I sit and I'm still before God. I can't, there's no way in the world that I could do what I do without letting God restore my soul on a daily basis. I understand the Lord is my shepherd. And I need him to restore my soul. For some of us, it'll mean that we're going to have to repent. That we're going to have to say, God, I've been going the wrong way, feeding my soul with the wrong things. And I need you now, Lord God, to forgive me and heal my heart. For some of you, it may mean to say no. Just, just say no to people, even good people, to say no. I need time with God. For some of us, it, it may mean and require that we stop depending on our good works. Or maybe for some of us, we need to just forgive people. We need to forgive somebody in our life. Because let me tell you something. Unforgiveness is poison to your soul. Unforgiveness is the poison that we drink that goes deep down into our soul while we wait for the other person to die. Or maybe you need to be forgiven today. Maybe you've done some things that you're embarrassed, ashamed about. And you think, you know what? God doesn't love me anymore. And you've kind of been distant from God. But God wants to breathe forgiveness and healing into your soul today. How does God restore your soul? He breathes on us new life. That's what Jesus meant when he said you must be born again. But he also breathes fresh wind. And right now, there's someone in this place this afternoon that your soul needs to be restored. You know who you are. Deep down on the inside, you know that you need a fresh touch from God this morning. God brings the prophet Ezekiel to a, a valley. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. There were bones in that valley, people that were dead. And they had been dead for a long time. At one time, they were the people of God. They were the promised people of God. And there was a light that shined within them. And there was an energy and there was a, a, a passion within their lives. They loved God, but then they, got, they wandered away from God. And they wandered into a valley. And the Bible says they died in the valley of dry bones. And the prophet Ezekiel, he cried out to God. He said, God, restore the dry bones of your people, oh God. Restore your people, God. And I'm here to tell you today, even if you're watching via live stream, maybe you're watching right now. 
Maybe you're in the living room and, and it seems like your dreams have died. It seems like your spiritual life is in the dry valley. and You feel like, man, I just can't go on anymore. I'm telling you today, God wants to breathe the breath of fresh wind of revival back into your soul right now. He said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, do you believe that those dry bones can live again? And Ezekiel said, Lord, only you know if those dry bones can live. And God said, Ezekiel, speak, speak to the dry bones. Command the dry bones to come out of the grave and be living beings again. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to prophesy to you today that God has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. And Jesus came to give you life and that life more abundantly. And God's calling you to come out of that valley this afternoon and say, yes, Lord, I'm here. Breathe on me again, Lord. Breathe your breath, oh God. Breathe your breath of faith and power and love and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How does God restore your soul? He breathes. He breathes His presence back into your life. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to sing this song with me. And if you're here today and you say, I just I need God to breathe on me. Breathe on me, God. Then I want you to sing it and when you feel led by the Lord, if you say, you know what, I really feel like I need, I need God to breathe on me again. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need a Savior in my life. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins that come into my life. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to pray for you. God bless you for that hand. God bless you for that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All over this place today. You say, Pastor, pray for me today. If that's you, we've got something we want to give you. We want to pray for you. We want to follow up on you. Listen, how does God restore your soul? He starts with breathing on you. And then he places you in a pen. It's called a church. And he places you with other sheep. And you can grow with the sheep. You can get healthy with the sheep. But you got to start listening to the voice of the Lord. But we're going to start right now. I want you, if you raised your hand, I want you to raise it one more time with me. Raise it again. And I want you to pray this simple prayer all over this place. Let's help those that raised their hand. I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. It says this, Lord Jesus, pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and found me today, this afternoon. I ask you to pick me up again and breathe life back into me. I repent of my sins and I ask you right now to be the Lord of my life. I confess with my heart and I, I confess with my mouth that you are Savior and Lord and I ask you right now to come and take my life. I give it to you, Lord, from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. 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 And if you raise your hand for the very first time, I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask just a few of the altar workers just to come right now. And I want you guys that are up here, I want you to do one thing. I don't want you to pray for other people. Just a few of you. Just a few of you. Yeah, just, yeah that's it. Just three of you. That's it. Good, good. The rest of you can pray for people. But these folks that raise their hand, they're going to come to you. And they're going to actually give you 
uh, they're going to ask you for one of these things, you're going to give it to them. If they raise their hand, I want you to give it to them and get their names so we can pray for them. Because that's the most important thing today. Amen. The Bible says, when one sheep comes home, all of heaven rejoices. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Rejoice with me.